to another episode of Saturday the 14th. Where we have a pressing question for you, which is... What's your favorite scary movie? Mine is... Actually, Scream, which is the movie that we're talking about today. (laughs) You all know that mine is Stay Alive. It is, featuring the incomparable... Frankie Muniz. Frankie Muniz. And Sophia Bush. Yeah, I forgot about that. And a rose bush. Lots of rose bushes. Sophia and roses bushes. This sounds real dirty. It does. I didn't mean it like that. I meant it like... <laughs> the as, bushes. Yeah. Sophia and then Rose. Yeah. But then it sounds like there's a person named Rose. I biffed this joke pretty hard. It's anyway. <laughs> um, so I have a great little story before we begin. All right. Let's go. So I was on a plane recently. I went to Japan. It was a beautiful trip. But on the way home, I made the mistake of watching the movie Mother Ooh, on the plane. Interesting choice. I still haven't seen that. Jennifer Lawrence. I knew it was going to be like a thriller type movie. Thinking back to like Black Swan with Mila Kunis, thought it was going to be something like that. This movie was one of the most ridiculous, messed up things I've ever seen in my life. I In like a good way? I don't know. I have a lot of opinions on it. I know you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> I so yet. I can't explain all the opinions I have. But it starts off, you just think this is a normal thriller. Like, oh man, these people are showing up. What's going on? What's going to happen? It's kind of like creepy, weird things are going on. And then it just takes a turn. Dope. Can't wait. Definitely gonna watch that. Yeah. We'll definitely talk about it once I've watched it because I obviously enjoy talking about scary movies with you. See it. Okay. And you might hate it. You might love it. You might feel both ways. I kind of wanted to watch it again, but I didn't think I could subject myself to that again afterwards. I don't know if I love it or if I hate it or if I feel both ways. Okay, well, I'm going to watch it and I will definitely tell you whether I love it or hate it because um, I believe in forming opinions. <laughs> a very strong opinion immediately. So. Yes, great. <laughs> All right, so today we are talking about Scream, which was made in 1996. It was. It was directed by the incomparable Wes Craven. It was written by Kevin Williamson. This is actually the first... Um, movie that Kevin Williamson ever wrote. I read that he actually wrote it based on a scary experience that he had. Yeah, so basically, okay, so there was this murderer, uh, he was called the Gainesville Ripper. Um, his real name was Danny Harold Rowling, and in uh, August of 1990, he broke into like a series of people's houses, and he killed mostly young women. I think there was a guy that he murdered because he was living with one of the young women as well. And he committed these really horrible murders. And Kevin Williamson was watching like a CNN or something or a 20 minute, 60 minute, however many minutes. One of those shows. One of those shows. Yeah, some minute show about the Gainesville Ripper case. Um, And he was really freaked out because he was renting this house and he went into the kitchen after he'd watched the special and he noticed that one of the windows was unlocked and open and he didn't remember having unlocked or opened it. And so he grabs a kitchen knife and a cell phone and he goes into the other room and he calls his friend and his friend starts talking to him about scary movies. And he's like, this is not helpful. (laughs) Um, So he said he woke up in the middle of the night that night and he couldn't sleep because he was so terrified and he just wrote. That's when he started the actual script. And I think he wrote pretty much all of it that night. I mean, I've definitely been like home alone freaked out. I don't think I've ever gotten to the point of grabbing a kitchen knife with me. I definitely have. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised. Yeah, no, I I absolutely have done that. So I relate very strongly to Kevin Williamson here. Yeah. And he made a masterpiece. He did. A whole series. Oh, God. I don't think he wrote the second or third one. But he started a franchise. He did, and he wrote the fourth one. The fourth one? Which is why the fourth one is so good. Or three. Yeah. You got to keep the original guy on board. Yeah, clearly. All right. So, um, so yeah. So it was written by Kevin Williamson. It stars uh, Neve Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, 
Ulrich? Uh, Ulrich? I don't actually know. I've been saying it Ulrich this entire time. I think it might be Ulrich. I think it's Ulrich, because I've been listening to a couple podcasts that talk about uh, Riverdale a lot, and he's the sexy uh, F.P. Jones on Riverdale. Oh my god, that is him! Yeah, he still looks super good. But still super evil. <sighs> but he's not. I mean, he's a gang member, but he's like a friendly He looks member. evil. He does. Even if he isn't. God, he looks like a straight up... I mean, he looks like a murderer in this movie, but in like a hot way. Kind of... Yeah. I love young Skeet. Ulrich. Ulrich. I think it's Ulrich. Anyway. Also um, Drew Barrymore. And Jamie Kennedy. The budget was around 14 to 15 million dollars. And as we've proven time and time again on this podcast, it was a great investment because the box office earnings were around 173 million dollars. Someone this. fund a horror movie that I can make. Yes. We Let us make. make a horror movie. Give us 14 to 15 million dollars. And we'll make you 173 back. We might. Maybe. We don't even need to cast Drew Barrymore. No, we don't need any Drew Barrymore for this. We don't. Um, okay, so let's get it cracking with the summary. Yeah, so it starts off with Drew Barrymore in a brilliant blonde wig. Oh, it looks really fake. And it's really funny because she starts the scene with really dark lipstick and ends the scene with no lipstick. Listen, she goes through a lot in that scene. Specifically what she goes through is... The screaming, like, take lipstick away? Well, she's crying. Maybe she's just some face wiping? Maybe. But it doesn't smear, it just disappears. It just disappears. Yeah. But anyway, she's home alone and she gets a phone call. And at first she thinks it's like a flirty... or Well, first she thinks it's a wrong number because the guy says it's a wrong number and then calls back and is like, it was a wrong number. And she's like, why did you call again? He's like, because I wanted to talk to you. And so they're like flirting. And it just kind of gets creepier. He's like, well, the best part of it though is that like they're still doing the flirty thing. Like the creepy part comes kind of out of nowhere because they're still doing the flirty thing. And she's like, "What?" he's like, what's your name? And she's like, I'm not going to tell you that. And they're like talking about scary movies and she's going to watch a scary movie. And he goes, well, you still haven't told me your name. She goes, why do you even care? He goes, because I want to know who I'm looking at. And it's like, Oh, I got that's chills when I said moment. it. It's so good. But then she's like, what did you say? He's like, I want to know who I'm talking to. And she's like, no, that's not what yeah. you said. Yeah. And then it just gets progressively creepier and creepier. Like, she hangs up and he calls back and he's like, hang up again on me and I'll gut you like a fish. Like, Yeah, it gets real creepy real quick. Yeah. And it's weird because originally she says she doesn't have a boyfriend. And but then, then she does because it turns out that the guy on the phone with her has him tied up in her backyard. Yup. Um... And they play a little game where she has to answer three questions about horror movies correctly. Uh, and if she does, then they'll let him go. And if she doesn't, then they'll kill him. And I lost all sympathy for Casey Becker in this scene. Well, so she, they start off with an easy one, which is who was the killer in Halloween, because yeah. she had said on the phone that that's her favorite horror movie. Right. And I, what's the second one? The second question is the one that you lost all hope for her from. No. Yeah. Oh, I thought that I thought she got the first two right and then got the no, third one No, so the wrong. first one was the warm-up, and that was the Halloween one. Mm-hmm. Then it was the Friday the 13th question, who is the killer in Friday the 13th? Which she gets she wrong. She says she's watched the movie 20 times, which drives me insane, because she gets it wrong. She says it's uh, Jason Voorhees, and he's like, no. And she's like, no, I've seen that movie 20 times. I've seen that movie less than 20 times. And I also have only seen it, like, a handful yeah, of times. Yeah, I've seen it maybe, like... Two, three times, maybe more? I don't know. Yeah, and it's obviously the mom the entire yeah. time. Like, Jason pops out at the very end. She must have been thinking about all the sequels. She must have been, but I was just like, okay, you're... <sighs> but still. And so she gets that wrong, and so her poor boyfriend is murdered. He's disemboweled. Yeah. And so the third question... I feel like this is kind of cheating. This isn't a horror movie question, but he asks, like, which door am I at? Yeah, that's true. That one is not... Not a horror movie question. But at that point, he's already disemboweled somebody, so, like, yeah, yeah, shit's getting pretty real. 
And at some point later in the movie, when they're playing the game again, he's like, get it wrong and you die. Get it right and you die. So yeah. really, it was a game rigged against everyone playing. Right. So there's no way that she really could have gotten the questions right. She wasn't going to get out no matter what. No, that wasn't really a fair question. Yeah. And like, nah, she doesn't even try. She just hides behind the TV and then the guy jumps in through the window. Yeah. And I think my personal favorite thing about this movie is how clumsy the killer is because it's just supposed to be some stupid, like, kid, clearly. And so it's just, he runs around like, He'll get kicked and he'll like fall over and tumble. Like when he yeah. like breaks through the glass, it's very. Uh, she like hits him in the face with a phone at one point in time. Oh my god, it's amazing. Which was not planned, but I guess Drew Barrymore just is really. really good oh my god, that's fantastic. Yeah, she just like nailed him in the face with it. <laughs> so she gets killed. Like her parents are coming home. Like they're pretty much home, and, and they're she trying escapes to find outside, her. and she ends up getting like stabbed to death on the porch while her parents are entering the house, and for some reason she can't scream. I'm guessing she, like, they punctured a lung or something That like would that. make sense, yeah, because it's never quite clear. I was like, why can't she scream? She can make these noises, but... Yeah, I just don't think she can get loud enough for them to hear her. Makes sense. But they do find her um, once uh, she's been totally oh, disemboweled dear. and strung up from a tree in the backyard. Yep, and that's how the movie starts. Arrest in peace, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Strong start. Definitely. Definitely gets it off on the right foot of, like, everything's going to be very fucked up. But it's, like, kind of funny at the same time because this villain is ridiculous, very human, not anything like the Michael Myers or the Jason Voorhees or the Freddy Krueger. Yeah, that's something I actually really like, which we can kind of talk about later as well, that he is in that same mold, but a much more human version of him. Yeah, Um, so then we cut to little Sydney Prescott, and she's in her room, and we hear, like, a bang on her window, and she screams, and she sees that it's her boyfriend. Her sexy boyfriend. Ski Ulrich. He's so greasy in this movie. He just looks like he's covered in oil. Yeah, he's really greasy the entire time. He kind of has these crazy eyes. Oh, super crazy eyes. So he comes in, and they, like, try to, he's trying to get her to, like, bang. And her dad walks in, or tries to, but her closet door is blocking her regular door from opening which Mm -hmm. seems like it was an accident and just like very convenient yeah and so she's like he's like i thought i heard screaming she's like nope i'm good don't worry and gets him to go away and and he's going on a trip yeah he's he's going to go away um he's gonna be staying at the hilton by the airport yeah Numbers on the fridge or something like that. Yeah. So after her dad leaves, Sydney and Billy get into a conversation about the fact that their relationship has kind of died down in terms of passion. He's like, we started hot and heavy and like rated R on, on our, our way to NC-17. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now we're like barely PG. Or no, he's like, now we're getting made for TV or something like yeah. that. <laughs> and it's the first time this movie, or I guess second time when it's really meta- yeah. This entire movie is kind of it's calling so itself meta. a movie while giving... Everyone seems to know that they're in a movie. Yeah. Like, they're not, but they seem like they are. They have a whole conversation about, like, what movie genre... You can't pick your own movie genre. Yeah. So she... <laughs> I love this. He's about to leave, and she's like, would you settle for a PG-13 relationship? And he's like, what's that? And she just shows him her boobs. Yeah. Like, you don't see it. I think it's only it's... one. I think she literally just shows him Just, like, one. a boob. Yep. Just pulls down a side. <laughs> and, he and he's leaves. like, nice. And he leaves. So Sydney goes to school the next day, and there are reporters everywhere, including the Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers. She's wearing a super amazing highlighter green. Oh, it's horrible. Pants skirt suit. It's skirt suit, yeah. yeah. And Sydney's kind of walking past all this, and her best friend Rose McGowan as Tatum. Tatum shows up. Do they even say her name's Tatum? Like I'm sure they do at yeah, some point. Eventually. It's just like a weird it takes name. A I did while. not notice. Yeah. So her best friend shows up and. Sydney's like, what's going on? And Rose McGowan says, haven't you heard? Like, these people were brutally murdered last night. Yeah. And 
I guess there are police at the school who are interviewing all the different students, and they bring them in one by one. So Sydney has to go sit down with the, the principal. principal, who's played by Henry Winkler, yep. as well as Dewey, who is David Arquette. Yeah, who is Tatum's older brother. Yeah, which you kind of find out later, but it's obvious that he already knows her. Yeah, because she's like, hey, Dewey. He's like, what's Deputy Dewey? <laughs> Oh, Deputy Dewey. Deputy Dewey. He's such an angel. He is. And so they make it real quick. It's pretty clear that it's not her. And later they're all her and Billy, her boyfriend, plus Tatum and Tatum's boyfriend, Stu, and their other friend. Randy. Randy are all sitting out and they're talking about the different questions the police asked them and how they asked, like, do you like hunting? And the girls are like, why did they ask you that? And they talk about how it's because the victims were gutted. Yeah. And Stu was such a creep in the scene. Oh First off, God. it's established that Casey is his ex-girlfriend and yeah. that she broke up with him for Steve. And then Tatum's like, I thought that you broke up with her for me. And he's like, <laughs> of course, yep, I did. that's what happened. <laughs> and so they say something about like, how do you even gut a person? And Stu goes, this well, you cut how. them from their, <laughs> from their gullet to their groin. And Billy's like, what the fuck? Don't. It's called tact. Don't do that. Yeah, it's called tact. So Sydney leaves in a huff. Yeah. Understandably so. And she goes home and watches the news and gets to see every single news channel is covering this story. Right, and then one of, of them brings up the fact that this is very similar to a horrific act of violence that was committed the year before in which Sydney's mom yeah. was raped and killed. And it's clear this is actually the first time it's brought up, but Sydney's been kind of down this entire movie and we're like, yeah. oh, that makes sense why she's kind of sad. Yeah. And you learn that a guy named Cotton Weary went to jail for it. Mm-hmm. And at some point later you learn that he's also on death row. He, he's been given the death sentence right. for it. Yeah. Um, and so she's kind of freaked out, obviously, because now there's murders and, um, you know, she's home alone at her house because her dad's gone. So she calls Tatum and she's like, hey, can I like hang out at your place this weekend? Tatum's like, yeah, cool. Don't worry about it. So Sydney falls asleep and gets woken up by a phone call and Tatum and she's just like, it's after seven. Like, where are you? And she's like, sorry, I got held up. Like, I'll be over soon. And then you can come over to my place. She's like, great. So she hangs up and then she gets another phone call. And she's like, what now? And it is not Tatum this time. No, it's a, the same creepy voice that called Casey. And she thinks it's Randy at first. For a long time. Because Randy is like the resident horror nerd. Yeah. I, I relate to Randy quite a bit in this movie. <laughs> oh, Randy. Oh, Randy. And so she's like, Randy, you've given yourself away like with all this horror movie talk. And he's like, oh, I can see you. And she's like, oh, sure, you can see me. Like, what am I doing now? And she like stands outside and she's like pretending to pick her nose. Yeah. And he like he gets the person on the other end keeps getting angrier and angrier. And she, he just doesn't respond because it's clear he can't actually see her. He told her that he was on the porch and she went out there and there's no one there. Right. And so he's just like bullshitting. And so she's like, OK, I'm fucking done. And he gets really angry. She goes to hang up and he goes, do you want to die, Sydney? Your mother sure didn't. And she's like, oh, this is not Randy. Yeah. Randy would not say that to me. So she goes back inside, locks the door, and then Ghostface comes out from behind a curtain. And it's funny because there's just like this lump behind the curtain then he comes out from behind it. Like, <laughs> so subtle. He is not But it's also like really terrifying because you can, can you imagine being scared and being in your house and like you wouldn't notice that right away. No. But after a minute, like you'd be like, oh, there's... Someone There's someone there. there. So she tries to get out the front door, but realizes that when she came back inside, she'd actually locked it with one of those chains. So she tries opening it three times and just can't. And she had knocked over Ghostface, but he gets back up. And so realizing she can't get out the front door in time, she has to run upstairs. Right. And she goes up to her room and she does the same trick that she did with her dad when she didn't want him to come in, where she closes the door behind her and then like opens the closet door so that even if he tries to open the door, he's not going to be able to get it all the way. I think she calls the police she from her bedroom. She runs to her computer and actually, like, dials oh, right, she from her computer. The, yeah, she, like, I am the thing. internet. Yeah, I didn't either. I know you can text 911 now sometimes. 
but I didn't know that you could like in 1996 you could like <laughs> I am 911. I am 911, but apparently you can because she does. So she does that, and he seems like he's gone. Yeah, he disappears, but then a moment later, Billy arrives through the bedroom window, and she like screams, she like hugs him, she's so happy to see him. But then after a moment, she realizes, wait, this guy was just trying to kill me, and then he shows up. Yeah. It's probably him. Yeah. And so the police get there and they find a mask and lying around. They find a cell phone, which Billy has. Like, it's Billy. They find Billy's Billy's cell phone. phone. Yeah. And so they arrest Billy and take him to the police station. And Sydney goes, too. Mm -hmm. And she's freaked out, obviously, because she thinks her boyfriend just tried to murder her. She's answering all the questions. The detective calls Billy his dad to try Mm -hmm. and get him to come in. And she goes to leave and runs into Gail Weathers again. Yep. And this is when they have their first real, like, conversation. And you find out that Gail is actually writing a book on the murder of Sydney's mom. Because she doesn't think the Cotton Weary actually did it. She thinks that... I believe she thinks that Cotton Weary and her mother were having a consensual relationship and someone else killed. Yeah, I don't know if that comes up until the ne- conversation the next yeah, day. Yeah, they don't really... They go into more details about it later because she has, like, a whole theory. Full theory. But. Yeah, and so Gail talks about writing the book and Sydney's like, oh, I'll have to pick up a copy. And Gail says, well, I'll mail you one. And then Sydney punches her in the face! It's amazing. It's so good. And then she's spending the night at Tatum's house and Tatum's like, I'll send you a copy. Boom! And just, like, keeps reliving the moment with a teddy bear, and it's fantastic. Tatum's so excited for Sydney. Tatum's great. Tatum's a good friend. She is. So, while Billy is in jail, um, and she knows that he's already there, uh, Sydney actually gets another phone call from the killer who says, you got another, you got the wrong guy this time again, or something like that. Like, referencing her mother's killer. Yeah. The next morning, we find out, actually, that she was the eyewitness who put Cotton Weary in jail. Right. Um, she said that she had seen him leaving the scene of the crime. Yeah. And so she goes back to school the next day, and Gail Weathers is there again. She's fixing her makeup. She's trying to cover this, like, giant welt on her oh face. My God. She has a huge, huge bruised black eye. And as soon as Sydney gets there, she like cringes. Yeah. It's hilarious. And Sydney's like, I'm not going to hit you again. Like she kind of seems like she's going to apologize. Kind of, sort of. And she goes and she's like, so do you still think that it wasn't Cotton Weary? And I think that Gail Weathers says something along the lines of like, do you still think it was him? Like really? And it comes out this book that Gail Weathers is writing is all about how Sydney put the wrong guy in jail. Yeah. Basically, Sydney's like, no, that's not true like I saw him I saw him leave wearing his coat and Gail says well you saw someone leave with his coat so like the implication is that um Gail thinks that he was framed and that he's on death row and he's gonna like be put to death for something that he didn't actually do so she goes into school and there's a lot of weird shit that happens that day like people start dressing up like the killer like who does that like so mean a friend of mine was almost murdered last night let's dress up like them and terrorize her right and like there's other reporters outside who are like screaming at her and one of them is Linda Blair from The Exorcist who screams like how does it feel to be almost brutally murdered which is also (laughs) really rude really like was it just that reporters were horrible in the 90s or did the 90s think that reporters were horrible or is it like some combo I mean I think this would have been not that long after OJ Simpson right because that was like 92 so probably yeah they probably were horrible that makes a lot of sense so the, the kids who chase her down the hallway get like reamed out by the principal 
who's played by, again, Henry Winkler, who is wonderful. Yep, Emerson alum, shout yeah, out. Yeah. Then she has this really weird interaction with Billy, who's been released because of the phone call, so they know that it wasn't him. Uh, so he's been released. She's like, who did you call with your one phone call? And yeah. he's like, oh, I called my dad. And she's like, no, I saw the detective call your dad. Like, who did you call? And that's part of the reason why they get into like a weird argument, because she's still kind of suspicious. She was chased by someone. They tried to kill her. And then he just shows up out of nowhere. It kind of makes sense that he might be the killer. And also, he gets really mean where he's like, I want my girlfriend back. Like, you know, it's been a year since, like, your mom died. You need to get over it. You're so frigid. And she's like, what the fuck? He's like, well, my mom left our family, too. Which is so different. Those are two different things. Like, his parents got divorced. Her mom was fucking murdered. Yeah. Not the same. Not comparable. So she's kind of like, fuck you, whatever, and walks away from him. She goes to the bathroom. And while she's in there, um, there are these two girls who are in the stalls who are talking to each other and don't realize that Sydney has walked in and they're talking about Sydney and how she's totally an attention whore and doing all this just to get more I guess attention. Yeah, press coverage all that Fun shit. Fun fact, the really mean girl who's putting on a lipstick like the cheerleader type, that was uh, Skeet Ulrich's actual girlfriend when oh, they were filming the movie. Oh, no wonder she hated Sydney. <laughs> um, but so when these girls start to come out, like Sydney goes and hides in the stalls while they continue talking so that way they w- won't realize that she's there. And after they leave, she comes out and she's obviously upset and then she just hears someone going like Sydney so creepy and you don't know where it's coming from there's a vent and all that so maybe it's coming from the vent and then you just see these two like boots drop down with the robe of the guy who had chased her around the night before the ghost face yeah and he comes out of the stall and tries to attack her and she gets away from him yeah she's amazing and she can do whatever she puts her mind to yep but the principal freaks out Obviously, they decide to close school for the time being until the person is caught. And then it's great because there's this whole scene where the principal starts hearing things. And so he goes to investigate. And at some point, he opens the door. And he's like, who's there? And you get a shot of this guy, uh, the janitor. And he's like, you talking to me? And he's like, no, not you. And that guy, the janitor, is first dressed up like Freddy. Krueger. And when he says it, he's like, no, not you, Fred. <laughs> like, I heard something else. Yeah. And then, but not only that, but it's also a cameo by Wes Craven. Yeah. Who directed, of course, this movie and also uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Which makes sense because there are a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street references to this entire There thing. are. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll get into a little bit of those later. But there's a ton. And it's a wonderful scene. But then he goes back into his office and he gets murdered. Yep. Hella murdered. Which is a bummer. Um, they apparently inserted that death, even though there's no real reason for the killers to kill him, because they realized, like, 30 pages of script went by and no one got killed. And they were like, okay, well, someone it's needs time to for someone to die again. <laughs> so that makes sense, because it would be a while. And yeah. also, like, it kind of makes sense just because they hate him. Yeah, that's true. So everybody else is out of school, right? Um, and they decide to throw a party, Stu does. Right, because uh, they want to celebrate the closing of school, and also that way they can all hang out after curfew if they're all at one person's house. So Stu goes over to the video store that Randy works at to invite him to the party. And Randy starts talking about how Billy is the obvious suspect for a killer. Well, right, because they're, like, talking, and he's kind of talking about how, like, oh, everybody's really watching a lot of slasher movies, a lot of horror movies right now. And yeah, they're all over, rented out. <laughs> yeah. He looks over at the horror section, he's like, well, that's in poor taste. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he, they pan over there, and, like, Billy is talking to two girls and he's like if you were the prime suspect in a murder case would you be hanging out in the horror section and then Stu goes on and is like well maybe it's Sydney's dad no one knows where he is and yeah. he's like nah the dad's he's a like, red herring yeah Billy's the guy and then Stu kind of turns it around and is like well you know you could be like in a horror movie you would be the killer because don't you have a crush on Sydney and Randy's like oh do you think she'll go out with me now and he's like <laughs> no definitely not <laughs> and so they get into like this weird nerd screaming match where Randy's like 
like, you know, motives don't matter anymore. There's a very simple formula. Anyone could be a killer. Anyone's the suspect. This isn't the first time. This is like another instance of the movie just being super meta. Yeah. But it is very like, okay, so like if we're in a horror movie, here's why I could have done it. Here's what this other person could have done it. The whole purpose is that anyone could, you know, be the killer and nobody really knows. So, and I think this is kind of like a look at all the people it could be other than Billy moment yeah. in the movie also where the viewer is supposed to be like, you're right, it could be these people. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's still obviously Billy. Especially since like Randy, Randy's an obvious suspect to me because people during the movie think that Randy is the one calling them. Like, multiple That's true. Times, people keep people saying, like, like, Randy, stop doing this. Because Randy's, like, your weird horror nerd who doesn't really get true. social cues and just loves to talk about horror movies. Um, which, been there, done that. But, like, also doesn't mean he's a killer, you know? Yeah. Cut to the party scene. Yes. Dewey is dropping off Tatum and uh, Sydney. Sydney. And Gail Weathers shows up. She's standing outside with uh, her van and her cameraman. And Gail and Dewey do their whole flirting they thing. They have cute chemistry because they fell in love for real on this movie, which I love. Yeah, it's like a very weird couple, but like they do have like good chemistry, obviously, yeah. because it was a real romance. But yeah. yeah, they start talking and she's like, she wants to go inside and check it out. And he's like, Dewey well, wants I need to go. go in just to make sure everything's safe, that the girls are going to be good. Yeah. And so he brings in Gail with her. Which and, is a bad call. Yeah. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing here, Gail? Well, a lot of People are excited about it. Like, everyone else is like, oh my god, it's the girl from Channel Whatever News. You're right. A lot of people are excited. All of Sydney's friends are trying to figure out why yeah, the hell. Yeah, and Tatum's like, what the fuck? Why would you bring her of all people in? But they kind of make a brief entrance. There's this part where, which I love where Dewey, <laughs> Dewey walks in, there's all these kids drinking, and he <laughs> walks over to this one kid who's drinking beer, and he goes, hey, man, aren't you underage? And the kid's like, uh, uh. And he, he takes the beer away. away from him, and then he like, hands it back, and he goes, ah, I'm just kidding. Watch the driving. And <laughs> <Like>, leaves. <laughs> it's so so good. And during this scene, um, they go into the living room where the TV is, and underneath the TV, Gail stashes a camera so that way the cameraman back in the van can have a feed directly into whatever's happening at the party. Right. So they head back out to go check out the feed and make sure that it's working, and they notice that there's a 30-second delay on it. Yeah. Tatum Stu sends went- Tatum out. Stu sends Tatum out to go get some beer from the garage. And so she goes, and she the door closes behind her, and she goes, she gets some bottles out of the fridge, and she goes back, and the door is locked. And so yeah. she decides to go out of the garage door so she opens the garage door and it starts to go up she's walking towards it and it comes back down she turns around ghost face is controlling the garage door yeah and she thinks it's just somebody messing with her like she thinks it's randy or Stu or somebody like that and so she's like oh like don't kill me like oh are we playing like can i be the victim and killer can i be the damsel in distress and he like nods and she's like don't kill me ghost face i want to be in the sequel and like making all these amazing jokes rose mcgowan is so good in this role she's great i love her like she's perfect cute fun feisty friend yeah um but he's not kidding and he starts to try to stab her and she gets away and she ends up trying to crawl out of the cat door that yeah. is in the garage door not a um, good escape route we saw the cat earlier so it kind of hinted maybe there's a cat door yeah and there is and she gets caught in it and he decides to raise the uh garage the door. garage door so and breaks that back, kills her fun fact a lot of people on the internet give this scene shit because they're like oh that's the dumbest reason why would you ever think that you would be able to escape through a pet door. But actually, <laughs> she didn't really get caught in the pet door. Mo- Rose McGowan is so small that she could fit through the pet door and they had to actually staple her or like nail her to like her shirt to the, the door so, so that, that she, she didn't actually fall out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she dies. So after Tatum gets murdered, Billy shows up. Right. And he and uh, he and Sydney kind of go off on their own way and they leave the rest of the party alone. So yeah, Stu sends him to their, his parents' bedroom, which is yeah. super weird. So they have like a weird little talk. They decide that they're going to like 
like makeup and and that they want to be intimate. And there's a really dramatic conversation about how like she's like I don't want to be in a horror movie. He's like, well, everyone's in a movie. You just can't pick the genre. Or right. Something she's like, like I wish it was a rom com or something like that. And or a like, porno. Or a porno. And, and that's, that's how they have sex. <laughs> yep. That's the intro line, which is a killer move if you're looking to seduce someone. A killer move. Hey. hey. So anyway, anyway back they down have sex. Yeah. Right after, like, kind of at the same time that this is happening, Gail and Dewey get a notification or like an alert that there's a car parked in the woods. And Dewey's like, hey, I just found out about this. Do you want to go with me and, like, check it out? And Gail's like, sure, let's go see. Yeah, meanwhile, downstairs. Downstairs, the whole crew is watching Halloween. Uh, and this is one of the scenes that I love so, so much because it's Randy at his fucking prime. So they're watching Halloween. And, and some girl is asking about, like, is she going to get murdered now? And he's like, no. Well, she. they say, when are we going to see Jamie Lee's boobs? Oh, you're and right. And like, you don't see her boobs until until some movie in the 80s because you don't show your boobs if you're the, the virginal lead because you can't break the rules. You die if you have sex. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? And he goes, you guys don't know the rules? So then he gives us an entire like tirade about these are the rules of a horror movie. So he stands up and he's like, one, you can't have sex. No sex. Sex equals death. Two, you can't drink or, or do, drugs. do drugs. That's the same thing. It's a sin. Third, you can never, ever, ever say, I'll be right back because you won't be right back. Stu stands up and he's like, um, hey man, I'm going to go to the kitchen. Do you want another beer? And he goes, yeah, sure, man, whatever. And he goes, I'll be right back. Like there in a go. really like douchey, like joke way and like walks away. But then we just don't see him for like half an hour. Well, Randy on the way out, Randy is like, yeah, okay. You like, you mess around with the rules. You get killed. I'll see you later in the kitchen with a knife. And then Stu's like, okay, whatever. And he leaves. And then we go back upstairs to Billy and Sydney who have just wrapped up. Yep. And then as Billy's like buttoning, or not buttoning his shirt, he like pulls on his shirt because he doesn't have buttons on it. He doesn't wear buttons. He's a bad boy. He does look like a bad boy. Uh, The killer shows up. And stabs him. Yeah, real quick. A lot of times. Yeah. That kind of obviously breaks up the party. Sydney screams and freaks out and runs downstairs. She's losing her shit. Everyone else kind of empties out of the party. Dewey and Gail get to the car that they'd heard about, and they realize that it's Mr. Prescott's car. And Dewey's like, oh, I think that means that Mr. Prescott might be the guy. Like, if he never hit town, if he stowed his car, um, then I guess he is our guy. So they think he's going to go back to the party and try to, like, fuck shit up. So they start heading back to the party. Sydney runs out of the house and tries to go to Kenny, the cameraman. Yeah, cameraman. she runs outside and she sees the... um the news van. The news van and runs up to it. And then meanwhile, it comes back to Randy, who's now alone watching Halloween. I love this part. It's so silly because he's yelling at the screen at Jamie Lee Curtis, like, mm-hmm. look behind you. Look behind you. And my behind favorite part him, is that he's specifically saying, Jamie, look behind you. Yeah. Jamie, look behind you because he's talking to Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Kennedy is the actor who plays Randy. Oh, my Randy. God. I didn't realize so that. It's this, It's just a cycle of yelling at Jamie's because when you're watching, you're also like, Jamie, Jamie look, look behind, behind you. you. <laughs> and so, yeah, the ghost face is sneaking up behind him. But then he hears something else and so he runs away. So Jamie doesn't yeah. get or uh, Randy doesn't get murdered at that moment. Sydney gets to the van and I think she gets inside with the camera guy. She actually yeah. gets inside with him and then he's watching the video and sees Ghostface sneaking up on Randy. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh shit, we have to go help him. So he opens the door and he gets out and Ghostface is right there and he's like, oh, there was a 30 second delay. <laughs> and Ghostface just slits his neck and yeah. goes after Jamie. Or mm-hmm. after, um, he goes after Sydney, Sydney some more. But then uh, Dewey goes up, he goes to get inside. Sydney gets away from him for a moment, from, um, from Ghostface for a second because Dewey goes to run inside to see what's going on and he gets 
gets stabbed because he's coming out from the house and it almost seems like maybe he's ghost face because there have been a couple moments where it like hinted it might be him yeah but then he falls over with a knife just in his back yeah and so she runs up and she grabs his gun goes Mm -hmm. inside and she's in there and Randy and Stu both show up you're right she's outside Randy and Stu are both outside and they're both like he did it no he did it no it's him no it's him and they're the only two people left alive so clearly it's one well not a lot like the rest of the party doesn't get murdered. They just run they away. Yeah. Um, but they're the only people who are, like, around. Clearly it's one of them, is yeah. what the movie is saying. And so she's just like, fuck both of you, locks the door, or, like, closes the door and locks it, and then Billy comes downstairs. And he is bleeding, but obviously he's not dead, because yeah. he's walking. Um, and so he comes downstairs. She's still got Dewey's gun. He's like, what's going on? She's like, Stu and Randy are outside. We gotta figure out what's going on. She gives him the gun. He lets Randy in the house. And then he shoots Randy. Yep. Because, surprise, surprise, Billy is in on this whole situation. Yeah. And then there's and then a he, very like, sexual scene where he, like, licks the fake blood off of his hands. He's like, corn syrup. It's like what they used in Carrie. Because we all go a little mad sometimes. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, obviously, it's the very murdery man. It's the person been who it's been murder. obvious that it's been the entire time. <laughs> so she's freaking out. Stu comes inside as well. Stu is also one of the killers, as we find out. He approaches from the other side and kind of blocks her from running away. They end up going into the kitchen. They try to, like, restrain her in the kitchen. And they they tell her everything, like a couple of fucking idiots. Yeah. They're like, we killed your mom because take... your mom was fucking Billy's dad. Well, at first she's like, well, what was the motive? And he's like, well, did Norman Bates have a motive? Like, motives are out. It's like, it's the, it's millennium. the millennium. They're talking about how they don't have motives. And then Billy was like, LOL, I do have a motive. And then, yeah, talks about yeah, how... So yeah, apparently her mom did have a consensual affair with Cotton Weary and also a couple other people. Um, and one of those people was Billy's dad. Which is the reason why Billy's mom left. Right. And he's so like, he don't you know it messes you up when your mom leaves you at a young age? And then Stu's like, I just am feeling peer pressure. <laughs> Stu's such an idiot. I love him so much. Like, I don't love him, but I love him as a character. He's just funny. He's really funny. <laughs> and so they let the dad out of, um, they take him out. He, they have him all duct taped. Yeah. And in order to make it seem real, they want to like hurt each other. So they take turns like, Stu and Billy they're take so turns stabbing stupid. each other. Here's what they do. The dad is still alive because they're going to frame him. Still duct taped. Still duct taped. Has not been released yet. Sydney is still alive. It's clear their idea is <laughs> they want to shoot Sydney, then they're going to make it look like the dad shot himself. Right. And that he stabbed both of them along the way. But they don't do any of that shit Instead before they, start they stab each other in the each stomach. Other. Yeah. And here's the problem. Stu is a dumbass, but he's not as unhinged as Billy is. Yeah. So Stu's going along with it and only, you know, surface level stabbing Billy in his stomach. Billy just fucking I think goes whole hog Stu and starts... accidentally, like, gets him more centered than he meant to. And he's like, sorry, like, I don't have good aim or something like that. And then Billy... Billy then stabs him two more times yeah. after already having stabbed Stu once. He's like, oh, man, like, I'm done, I'm done, I can't do anymore. And then Stu doesn't stab Billy again. No. But he's, like, having problems. Yeah. Because so, he definitely got stabbed too deep in right. too many places. So now they're both bleeding out because they're idiots and so she manages to run away she gets upstairs she calls well first gail weathers shows up she has the gun now she has dewey's yeah. gun i think but they and so she's threatening jams. both of them so she's like trying to shoot them and it isn't working and he's like i can tell you something he takes the gun he's like it works a lot better when the safety is not on yeah they go back to look for sydney and they get a phone call right it's with the voice changer yeah because she's stolen the cell phone that billy has yeah because like no one has cell phones except for like only billy in this movie because it's 96 so she calls and she <laughs> i love this so 
much. I love her so much because she's on the phone with him. And she's like, do you want to play a game? It's called. And then she like drops the uh, voice changer, which goes, who called the cops on you dumbasses <laughs> or something like that? And they're like, oh, yeah, I called no. the cops and reported you guys. Yeah. So like even if she dies, like they're still going to get in trouble because right. she had told them what was going on. And then Stu goes, oh, my parents are going to be so mad at me. And he as he's like bleeding out, just dying because he said like, I think you kept me too deep. I think I'm dying. Yeah. Which is uh, that was a the the my parents thing was a um, an improv line by Matthew Lillard. That's fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Like when um, Billy drops the phone and it like hits Stu, where when he throws <laughs> the phone and he goes, "You hit me with the phone, you dick." Also, an actual reaction from Matthew Lillard because um, Skeet Ulrich's hands were so slippery with fake blood that he accidentally dropped it. So it wasn't in the script. Like that that's, wasn't supposed that's to. So good. Oh my god. So this movie is brilliant. And so that's when they go looking for Sydney mm-hmm. and they open this one closet door, or Billy does, while Stu is just dying in the corner. Yeah. And Ghostface pops out with an umbrella, stabs Billy through the shoulder with it, mm-hmm. and she rips off the mask. And it's, and it's her. It's her. Yeah. And so Gail shows back up again, right? Like whenever. Everybody's dying. Like, Stu is already dead. The police are on their way. Gail ate it. She's okay. Dewey also survives. Sydney has to double tap Billy because he tries to get back up again. And she's like, nope. <laughs> That's great. Because they're like, this is the moment when a scare will happen. So we have to make sure he's dead. And so he comes, he starts to wake up again. She shoots him. She's like, not in my movie. Yeah. And then the dad crashes out of the closet. And for like a second, it seems like there's another bad guy and it's actually happening. Yeah. But it's just the dad it's falling. Just dead. And Randy, it turns out, is also still alive. Yeah. Yay, Randy. So Yay. pretty much, I mean, I mean, a lot of the good guys, except for Tatum, R.I.P. Tatum. R.I.P. Tatum. But other than that, a lot of people live. Yeah. So they all have to come back for the sequel. Exactly. Although Randy gets killed pretty early on in the second movie. Oh. Which is a bummer. Don't remember the second one very well. Yeah. I don't either. I watched. That's another thing where I watched like all three of them in like a day and a half. And so now I don't really remember what happens in each one of them. I do remember that Timothy Oliphant is in the second one. And again, I was like, that's a sexy man. And again, he's the one of the killers. You have a type. And apparently they're <laughs> Apparently murders. my type is murder. Uh, bummer. So yeah, so that's Scream. One of the things that is important to note about Scream is that this is really one of the first like meta or self-aware like borderline parody horror movies. Yeah, it's definitely a horror comedy. There are a lot of comedic elements in it. For example, every time Ghostface gets hit with something, he just falls. Yeah. Or he tumbles or does something. Like yeah. he reacts how a real person reacts. Well, if you hit like Michael Myers with a piece of wood, the wood will break and he'll be fine. You right. know, like he doesn't fall like that. It's not straight up parody. It does open the door for movies like um, Scary Movies. Movie, which is actually the original title for Scream. That I didn't know that. Be, yeah. One of the Weinstein brothers. Blech. One of them changed the name of it because they heard the, the song Scream by Michael and Janet Jackson. They thought that it was a good name. I for think it's movie. an appropriate movie title. It is. Um, you will notice if you if you watch the movie with the awareness that the original title was Scary Movie, they use the term scary movie instead of horror movie. That's true, they do. All the way through. But then, of course, there's the scene where Matthew Lillard in like the, the big reveal final scene Matthew Lillard goes it's a scream baby and so it like kind of it works. kind of works out you know they make it work so it does kind of open the door for a lot of that stuff but basically at this point in time people were sick of slashers there's just a lot of them they were all sequels it was like we're on like I, I think one of the articles that I read said that it was there were five Friday the 13th movies and nine Halloween movies like they just kept making the same thing over and over and over again yeah they do end up being four scream movies but they're different each time which is and they're nice. even self-aware like yeah they they're talk very about, much make fun of like making sequels and yeah. stuff. And like, like one of them's a movie it. within a movie. One of them's the remake. Yeah. Oh my God, I love Scream 4 so much. Scream 4 is so good. Scream 4 isn't really a remake. Well, but it's a continuation. 
it is a continuation, but the idea is they're trying they're trying to say like, no, this is a remake. Like, yeah, of they, the movie. Yeah, and they do approach it like a reboot, even though it is still within. It the same is a continuation, continuity. but they talk about how like you know in the remake they have to step things up a couple of things. Like you can take the original scares but make them a lot worse, and so that's right. why like they live stream deaths and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly, you have to incorporate technology. You have to exactly. do exactly. Yeah. So they have their rules of what a reboot would do, and they treat it like that, even though it is a part of the series. Yeah, the same way like the movie within a movie in the third one. Exactly. One of the things that I really like about this, um, and again, something that I came across a lot when I was reading about it, is that this is, in addition to being one of the first like self-aware ones, horror at this point in time didn't necessarily have... People didn't put a lot of thought into the structure of horror as a genre. You know, like it was kind of like... And I think that it's still sort of suffers from that. We talked about last episode how like not a lot of horror movies get Oscar nominations and people don't necessarily view it as like a genre worthy of research and like an academic approach to it because it does tend to be, you know, people think it's cheap or a lot gross. of times it's fluff. It's they're not necessarily always well made. Yeah. The acting isn't always great. The special effects can be really good or they can be really horrible a la Friday the thirteenth. Right. One of the nice things about this is that it was one of the first movies to I actually pulled a text or a, a, a quote somewhere. Um, from a Newsday article that I read, uh, Scream treated the horror genre as what academics would call a text, something to be analyzed, criticized, and according to the fashionable literary theories of the time, decoded for hidden meanings. So this is kind of one of the first movies where they really went in and sort of dug into what makes a horror movie a horror, what are the things that you see in these slasher movies, um, and then use that as sort of meta material to make kind of a love letter to the genre. And I know that it, they like talk about how they wanted it to end the slasher genre and it was supposed to kill the slasher genre, but it really, when you watch it as someone who loves horror movies it comes across as a love letter it does like definitely self-referential and kind of jokey but still you can tell it's kind of the same thing as get out you know obviously very tonally different from get out although there are funny moments in both of them it is a little bit lighter i I would say um and there were movies that were like horror movies that had funny moments before them yeah just nothing quite this self-referential and meta yeah i guess it's one of those things where there's so many references when you really look at it oh my god some of them are in your face some of them are not some of them are in terms of how they structure things how they design the characters how the characters move or act or talk or whatever um and then of course there's you know randy standing up and saying here is what makes a horror movie a horror movie and here's what you have to do in order to be successful in a horror movie um but i just love that and it opens the door in a way that no other movie really had done at that point in time and yeah then you get a thousand scary movies which then opens the door for the epic movie and date movie and all the other terrible stupid parody (laughs) parody movies but you know you got to start somewhere yeah And I love that about Scream. The more that I do this podcast, the more that I realize that all of the movies that I really love are the movies that are very genre aware. That's Um, fun, though. I love them. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed, um, there's what felt like a reference. I don't know if the movie had come out yet. I don't know which one was referencing which. But one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets had the uh, girl get smashed into the TV. And he's like, that's what I call a smash hit. I think that was the third one. It was the one that was in the mental hospital. I don't remember when that one came out. I don't remember when that one came out. But someone also dies by TV falling on them in this one. Yeah, that's something we didn't really mention about Stu, is that while he's bleeding out and while he's dying, uh, they drop a TV on him. Yeah. So he literally dies... In the same exact way that someone dies. By the movie Halloween crushing him today. Yeah. (laughs) That, and then also dies by TV, which happens in another Wes Craven movie. Yeah, exactly. So either it's an unintentional thing, or Wes Craven just likes that as a concept. I mean, it's kind of funny, because, like, the movie's killing you when, like, it's a movie killing people. 
Exactly. Yeah, so it's, there's a lot of references. Um, one of the things that I liked is that even though they do talk about the specific rules of Almost horror, all of them are broken in some yeah, way. Yeah, they're broken or they're played with. So again, we talked about them earlier. So you can't have sex. Which, I mean, Sydney and Billy have sex. Yeah. And Sydney doesn't die, but Billy, Billy does, does die. Yeah. Billy dies. First off, they play it pretty straight in the moment, whereas Billy literally like is buttoning his shirt back up and gets stabbed to death. Yeah. Like Quote, unquote, unquote later. stabbed to death. Fake stabbed. And it actually, right. if you realize that he's not dead the wounds look a lot more fake than everyone else's it's like they're just holes in his shirt yeah and red everywhere but there's no actual like cuts and yeah. also you don't see him getting stabbed you see like Ghostface like stabbing him in the front when he's facing away from you mm-hmm. so yeah I mean there's a lot of those where if you rewatch and you're aware of what's happened it's kind of a fun thing where you're like oh that one. oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it makes a lot is. of sense yeah so in a way I mean you know it, it applies to Billy it just doesn't apply to Sydney yeah but Tatum I mean she's obviously having a lot of sex with Stu because they're like groping each other constantly that's true and she dies and Stu dies and uh, Randy I'm pretty sure is not getting any and he lives to me oh my god he's, I think he says he's like I've never been so happy to be a virgin <laughs> um, you may not survive the movie if you drink or do drugs um tatum is literally murdered on a beer run yeah but then you have like everyone else at the party dewey who is literally hands a beer to a kid and he's like have fun yeah you have um randy who it's hit it's like he's drunk as he's hell d- yeah he's super drunk because he's, he's really drunk the- when he's yelling like turn around jamie and he lives yeah. so they're talking about the rules but it's great because while they're talking about even in the scene where they're talking about the rules when they're just like you can't have sex everyone's like aww or he's like you can't drink or do drugs and everyone like cheers and yeah. it's like and all those people get out like yeah. only a couple people actually die at this party the rest of the party goers don't but it's great also I think it's well we'll do the last one but also you may not survive the movie if you say I'll be right back which of course Stu says I'll be right back when he leaves he does not come back into that room again until everyone else it is seems like out. he's disappeared and maybe died we don't really know what happened to yeah. him until he shows up saying that Randy tried to kill him but also, again, Randy says, I'll see you in the kitchen later with a knife. And he does get stabbed in the kitchen with a knife later on in the movie. Like, that's where the stabbing scene with, with Stu happens. Yeah, Stu does get stabbed. And he yeah. shows up in the kitchen. Like, they're holding her in the kitchen and they have the knives. Like, yeah. it's just not exactly how they think it's going to go down, but it still does happen. Yeah. But also, I think it's, you know, those are the things that happen in a horror movie when there is a Michael Myers-type killer, when there is that sort of unkillable, force-of-nature monster person. These are just two teenage boys who yeah. like horror movies. Like, it's obviously an intentional thing that they plan to stab Billy right after he has sex with Sydney. Yeah. That's obviously part of the plan. So they're trying to incorporate those things, but they aren't actually monsters. No. They're, they're like, they're monsters of people, but they're not, like... They're also just really not... And maybe because they're supposed to be seventeen-year-old boys, they aren't that put together in their plans. At times. No, they forget they, things a lot. Like yeah. walking out of the room that Sydney is in, they both walk out, and like obviously she's going to leave the room. Right. You can only count on all of those things working if you're in a movie. Yeah. If you're actually, and and that's the meta thing of this is that yeah, they're in a movie, but it's like how it would actually go down. Yeah. You know, these are not masterminds. They're shitty seventeen-year-olds. Yep. Which is why hiding behind the curtain is, like, an actual thing that happens in this movie. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about, like, the psycho reference with does Norman Bates have a, a motive, which Maddie and I were talking about this yes. before. <laughs> he does have a motive. It's just that his motive is that the 
personality of his mother is doing it because she is jealous of these women and is trying to protect her son from the sexual uh, desire for women that she thinks are dirty. So there's no external motive. No, it's not like those women did anything. There is a motive, though. Like, just like there is a motive in this movie, even though they say, oh, there's not. There is a motive. It's just not... A traditional motive. Yeah, it's not... It's actually a little bit, you know, less concrete than... Billy's motive, which is, you know, he wants revenge. But it's still a motive. Also, they say something about why did Hannibal Lecter eat people, and they actually did make a whole movie about that. But obviously that happened after this movie came out. I don't know if the um, book might have already come out, though. Yeah, it might have, but I don't think that Billy was reading the book version of anything. Probably not. Yeah. Um, So there's that. There's that reference. There's the the quote when Billy shoots Randy. He goes, we all go a little mad sometimes, which is a Norman Bates quote. Also... The structure of the film, in the beginning, they introduce one of the most famous actresses who will be in the entire movie, Drew Barrymore, who is advertised as being the lead in the movie. Yeah, if you look at the movie poster, she's like up front in the entire thing. And so I had seen the movie before seeing the movie poster. I was like, why would they put someone who's in the movie for like five minutes on the front of this movie poster? Because I'd seen them in reverse order. But when the movie was actually marketed, it made it seem like she was the star. Right. But then she dies 20 minutes into the movie. Which is something that also happens in the movie Psycho. It is. Janet Lee, who is actually Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. I did not know that. Appropriately enough. That is. Janet Lee was very famous at the time. And every she was advertised as being the star of Psycho. Everyone thought that, you know, you're going to go see the movie where Janet Lee is, uh, you know, being terrorized throughout, but as the final girl. Uh, and then she gets murdered. And it was something that Alfred Hitchcock tried very hard to keep people from finding out about. Mm-hmm. Now, I think more people obviously know because it's been out for, you know, 60, 50 years. But at the time, it was supposed to be a surprise. And actually, when Drew Barrymore originally signed on for this movie, she signed on to play the character of Sydney. And then she upon reading the script more thoroughly, um, she decided that it would be better narratively, because she knew she was very famous, if, you know, the person that everyone thought was going to be the main character, this big-name actress, dies super early on. And she actually did say that, like, between her and Wes Craven, they decided that it would be sort of an intentional reference to Psycho. Yeah. To, to do it that way. So I liked that. That made me happy. I yeah, that it's kind great. Of thing. I love Psycho, so I love, um, <laughs> I love There's also a super obvious reference to When a Stranger Calls. Because oh, yeah. the calls coming with inside the house, mm-hmm. um, like, the questions, the kind of games and toying with someone over the phone. Yeah. Very similar to that movie. Yeah. And, you know, it's not who's checking the... What was it? Why haven't you checked the children? Yeah. Said it's what's your favorite scary movie? Yeah. And even then, like, in the, I haven't actually seen the original When a Stranger Calls. I've yeah. only seen the remake with Camille Bell. Mm-hmm. But Camille Bell and Neve Campbell actually kind of look like each other. They do, yeah. They got the dark hair, like, the, strong features. Yep. The, like, doe eyes that mm-hmm. are always scared. Yeah. Um, Neve Campbell is much tougher, though. I love Neve Campbell. She's so badass. I love she's her in a, every movie. Yeah, she's a super badass in this movie, too. Like, she doesn't take any shit. Yeah. Yeah, there, I mean, I think there's a strong When a Stranger Calls. It's almost like a modernization, because like now in 96, you can have someone calling from within the house on a cell phone. Yeah. You know, you don't need to do anything weird with the lines. I don't actually know how you would call a house from within the house in 1974, 6, or no whatever, idea. the original. Yeah. I don't know how that would work. Again, I haven't seen, and I assume in the the remake they use a cell phone as well. It's been a while, yeah. yeah. And that movie was actually borrowed the plot point of a a murderer making calls to his victims from Black Christmas, the original Black Christmas. We watched the 2006 Black Christmas for our holiday special, but the original one, it's the sorority full of girls who are getting like creepy phone calls from this murderer before he attacks them. That murderer's name is actually Billy. Really? Yeah. Hey, look at that. And Billy's name is also a reference to Halloween as well, which there are a ton of Halloween references because it's Kevin Williamson's favorite movie, apparently. 
Who's Billy in Halloween? Loomis. I'm sorry, because his full name is Billy Loomis. Dr. Loomis is the psychiatrist uh, who is trying to chase Michael Myers down. Gotcha. So his last name is the yeah. reference. So okay, I don't cool. know if the Billy is an intentional reference to Black Christmas because it's also like a very, very common name. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the Loomis part, I would say, is definitely an intentional reference. Yeah. We've already mentioned a handful of Nightmare on Elm Street references from Wes Craven literally being dressed up as Freddy Krueger, <laughs> working as a janitor, to, I mean, something that Maggie pointed out is how much Ski Ulrich just looks like a young Johnny Depp in he this movie. He does, and he climbs in her window, which is the same thing that Johnny Depp does in his opening. He has, like, the, the kind of stringy bangs thing going Actually, on. Actually, okay, I kind of, I think I had sort of assigned Johnny Depp's 90s hair to Johnny Depp uh, just across the board. Johnny Depp in <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street has a feathered mullet blowout Oh, he situation. does he really? So yeah. what am I thinking of? Like every other Johnny Depp thing. But Johnny Depp, he has terrible hair in Nightmare on Elm Street. He looks really ridiculous because this is his first ever movie and so he didn't have like his look down, but he is rocking a amazing crop top. I might be thinking of Crybaby, Johnny Yeah, Depp. there's a strong Crybaby resemblance between yeah. him and Ski O'Rourke in this movie. But yeah, so there, I mean there's a lot of slasher references in general. There's the idea that this unnamed or unknown masked murderer is walking around stabbing people in this quiet suburban town, which is like, that's, that's you know, such a core tenet of slasher movies, especially a movie like Halloween. Yeah. There's a a lot of visual similarity between Michael Myers and the Ghostface Killer, even if they're not personality-wise I mean, similar. When Rose McGowan is talking to Ghostface, he doesn't say anything. He's just like nodding, mm-hmm. or and he's like kind of just trying to do the whole like strong, silent, yeah, type. And he actually does it decently. Cause he's just standing there, not doing anything, and like obviously you can't see him blinking and stuff like that, or moving. Period, because he has a mask on. Right. So it kind of does have that. Jason, Michael, yeah, feeling even yeah. though it is just like a seventeen-year-old trying to impersonate him, right? I and mean, then it, he gets knocked over and like he falls <laughs> head over heels as she like throws shit at him. But like they're trying to impersonate that type of killer, even though they don't do a very good job of it. No, I mean they do kill a lot of people in really horrifying ways. So I guess they do an okay job of it. They kill five people because the two in the beginning, yeah, mm-hmm. um, the mom, the principal, and Tatum. Tatum so yeah, five people. T- Tatum's the only person they actually managed to kill at the party. Yeah, because they try and kill Randy, but they fail. Yeah. They try and kill both Dewey and Courtney Cox and yeah. fail. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they do okay. It's not yeah. like, it's not, not really bad. like a level of body count, but he also doesn't kill that many people. They also insist on using a knife when, like, they fail to use the gun. Like, they try shooting Randy and it does yeah. not work. No, it doesn't. One of the things that I, I saw that was pointed out um, on the internet is that you can tell which person is being Ghostface Ooh. in different scenes because when Billy is killing people, he grabs them by the throat. And, like, lifts them up and then stabs them, which is actually a Michael Myers move. Okay. And then Stu hikes the the knife up over his head and does, like, the really exaggerated downward stab, which is such, like, you don't do that in real life. No. Like, if you're actually trying to stab a person, that doesn't, that just slows you down. Not that I'm trying to give anybody advice on how to but stab a person. But he also wouldn't know because he's a 17-year-old trying to learn how to kill exactly. people. Exactly. He's watching horror movies and he's learning from horror movies. And it is such, like, a caricature of a, a serial killer move to be, like, up over the head and down. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, I think Billy, um... Stu is doing it for show, and Billy is... Has personal reasons. Billy is actually... Billy's the one who kills Drew Barrymore. I think so. And her boyfriend, because Stu was with Rose McGowan all night. Right, right. Tatum. Yeah. So... So it must have been Billy, but I don't remember how he killed them. Well, you don't really see it. You don't, yeah, you just... He stabs um, Drew Barrymore a couple times. Yeah, and then he... 
Yep. Yeah, and you don't see how he kills Steve. Yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely a vibe that, like, Billy would become this way no matter what. And yeah. Stu got this way because he met up with Billy. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Which, I mean, it's true. Yeah. Like, you really do get the vibe that, like, Stu wants to be special and Stu wants to be cool and exciting and the bad boy. But, like, when he's bleeding out, his last thought is, like, oh, my parents are going to be mad at me. Yeah. You know, like, he doesn't really... He's still a child. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he really knows what it is that he's doing. Everything's a movie to him. You know, it's just an entertainment thing. Yeah. And then... One more thing is also the idea of this being like a semi-twist ending. Yeah. Because obviously like Billy gets killed and then he's not killed. So it's like you, you see him get killed and you're like, oh, clearly he's not the killer. Right. And then it turns out, oh, wait, he is. And so it's kind of a twist, but at the same time, it's been telling you the entire movie Billy's the killer. Yeah. It's so obvious. And I think that there's the part of it that's like he's the love interest. And I think a lot of times the love interest is not the killer. The love yeah. interest gets killed. And it's never the first person who's accused that's the killer. Right. But then it is. Yeah. In this case. Yeah. And so you want to think like, oh, well, like sexy Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. He's like been caught, but it's like he didn't really do it. Like he gets freed later. Like it's obviously someone else. He's a red herring. And you do start to think, you know, maybe it is the dad. Maybe it is Randy because Randy you know it's established he has a crush on Sydney he's obsessed with horror movies he even says like yeah in a horror movie like yeah I would be a prime suspect for this and then there's the scene out by the water fountain outside um, where all the friends are talking when Stu like describes this is how you get someone which is also pretty obvious like hey he knows how to get someone he's literally telling you how to do it yeah and in that scene I thought it was interesting because the first time that I watched it when you are just thinking that like oh Billy's her boyfriend and he's like a little bit of a bad boy but whatever and he's like Stu shut up shut up the first watch, you're like, oh, he wants him to shut up because he's being an asshole for no reason. it's like, no, because he's actually just confessing to having done this. Exactly. It's the same thing as watching um, Get Out, Get Out, where Rose, the entire time, once you know that she's in on it, it seems like every time that she's trying to shut people down, it's because she doesn't want their cover blown. Yeah. It's the same exact thing in this. It's just that Billy is trying to keep Stu from blowing their cover. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, he literally does every single creepy thing that a guy... I mean, the fact that he shows up outside of her house ten seconds after the killer disappears... Yes, yeah. yeah. He doesn't seem kind of beat up from her, like, kicking him and all that jazz. I read Maybe a theory that it might have been um, the other one, Stu, that was actually chasing her so that he could show up and, you Rescue know. Her. Yeah. And then obviously Stu is the one who calls from prison. Although she, or while he's in prison, she even is suspicious. I think she that asks, Billy might have called her from prison because she was like, who was your one phone call to? And he says it was my dad. But she's like, no, I saw the detective call your dad. Yeah. And he never really answers the question. But obviously he wouldn't have had the voice changer on him. So right. it wasn't him. Right. But she's, I mean, even in that scene, she's like, I don't know. I and don't know. it seems like you, there's kind of doubt on him until he gets murdered and you're like, oh, well, I'm obviously I'm going to go with the idea that don't have sex with someone who you think might be trying to kill you. I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to tell anybody how to live their life or like take any of the fun out of anything, but yeah, if you think maybe this I'm guy tried this to stab to, me. Like, this guy like has chased, potentially been the one who chased me around trying to kill me. Maybe don't be like, okay, well, I still think it's you, but let's do this anyway. Yeah. I mean, listen, Skeet Ulrich is very hot. And I get that. <laughs> and I get that in the moment, you're like, oh, my hot Skeet Ulrich boyfriend wouldn't do that. But listen to your gut. Yeah. Just wait, you know? You don't need to have sex while there's still a murderer on the oh loose. Oh, my God. The thing that even, like, drove me crazy about that scene is that, like, when they're having that conversation, what leads into them talking about, like, you can't pick your own genre is that she's talking about her mom being murdered or like people being murdered and he's like he makes some horror movie reference and she's like this isn't a movie this is real life and she and he goes everything's a movie you just can't pick your genre it's just like it's so dumb why would you have sex with someone after they say that to you (laughs) like even if you don't think they're gonna kill you teenage hormones man teenage Uh, hormones yeah 
I guess. As mm, the power of, of that young skeet. Also a terrible name for a person. Skeet. Don't go by skeet. Um, yeah, don't do not do that. <laughs> I also love that this is one of the first times like that you see the protagonist like fight back really well. Yeah. Like obviously you've seen people fight back to a certain extent, but she like takes them down at times. She like stabs them through the shoulder. She does all this and like yes it had been done before, but this was one of the first like big time slashers, especially the first in the series where yeah. this like happened consistently. Yeah. That they constantly were like beat up by every victim they had. They just eventually overpowered them. Right. And I mean she even taunts them on the phone. Yeah. Which I love because it's that ultimate like, oh yeah? No, fuck you you. Like, like, you can do this, so can I. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, Jamie Lee Curtis can't be Michael Myers, but, right. I mean, also, there's a line where Tatum says, like, well, maybe it could be a girl who did this. Like, you don't know. Like, women can be killers, too. And then, like, Sydney comes out and, like, destroys them at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that's part of the thing. It's part of the mystery of the cloak is that, you know, it is a very common costume. It could be anyone. Yeah. Like, there's a ton of hints. It could be anybody. You know, they could have come out and been like, oh, it's Tatum. Like, I mean, obviously not after she gets murdered, but like. You say that, but <laughs> she's Billy like got murdered. Five also, she, uh, that body, that dead body looked real fake. Oh, yeah. No. Not the best moment. Everything else was pretty well done in terms yeah. of special effects, though. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. And, you know, even to the parts where it doesn't necessarily look super real, as you mentioned, it's not real in that scene, so. Yeah. Yeah. They did run into a little bit of uh, trouble shooting this movie. Yeah. Because they originally wanted to shoot in um, Santa, Santa Rosa? Rosa. Because they wanted, like, well, they looked all over the place. They were going to shoot in like South Carolina first, I think. They wanted like an all-American small town type of feel, very suburban. Um, and I forget where exactly they end up actually shooting. It was somewhere in Northern California. Sonoma I County, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. And it's beautiful up there. So it's not too far away from uh, Santa Rosa anyway. They wanted to shoot there and then there was actually like a horrible murder yeah, there. Yeah, like a couple years before Polly Kloss, who was a, a young girl who was abducted from a, a sleepover and she was, she was murdered after that. Um, she'd been killed in Santa Rosa. And so the town obviously was like, no. Never mind. We, we don't, don't want you really to do this. Want you. Yeah. Like, it's kind of inappropriate because, I mean, there is such a, like, people getting kidnapped or murdered from their own homes in the middle of the night. Like, yeah. It's very similar. Wes Craven did not apparently take it well. And there is actually a note in the credits that's like, no thanks whatsoever to the city of Santa Rosa, which, like, I get being frustrated in the moment. But at the same time. That's like, a mean thing to say. Oh, we want to not subject the people in our town to the memories of this person being brutally murdered, and he like gives them shit for it. Like yeah. that's not nice. Like I love horror, and I am interested in true crime, but like that's a real person, you know, and her family I think still lived there. Like, yeah, you know. So if you see the the no thanks at all to the city of Santa Rosa in the credits, now you know why. That's why. Kind of a dick move. They kind of had a good reason. Later on, Wes Craven did say that he regretted it because he understood why they didn't. That's but good. it's like you should have thought that through before you put it in the credits yeah. of your movie, like. He's an artistic type. Yeah, I mean, I love Wes Craven, and everything that I've read from, like, the people who've worked with him is that he was an amazing director and a great person, but, like, I don't know about that one. That was a a wrong step. But we all make missteps. For sure. Okay, well, I think that's it for this week. I think so. All right, so next episode, we are going to do... The Amityville Horror. Yay! We're going to do the old one, um, not the the newer one with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, it's time for a good haunted house movie. It's been a while since I've seen one. Yeah, it has been. I don't think we've done a haunted house one yet. I don't think we have. I'm excited. I don't watch a lot of haunted house movies in general, so... And it's nice, because it's kind of inspired by a true story. I know, so we can dig into some juicy true crime deets. Talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. 
Dragon yeah. and their ghost hunting adventures. I think that they were shams, but we can discuss that next yes, week. We also, a quick plug for our website, I guess. Yeah. A little um, self-promotion here. Little Saturday the 14th podcast.com. Yeah, and 14th are numbers there, so one four th Yep, we're very excited about it. We have little About Us sections. We have um, notes and links to all of the episodes that we've done so far. Yeah, you can see where we got our sources from. Yeah, um, and you can uh, you can also listen to all of the episodes on there if you would actually like to. They're all in one convenient location for you. And also, if you have anything that you want to tell us, whether you love us or hate us, don't tell us you hate us. No, keep that to yourself. Um, and, if um, you have constructive criticism, we're always open to that, but if it's just straight or up hate mail. if you just really want a movie covered. Yeah, you can tell us that too. Um, we love to talk to people. That's not true. I hate to talk to people. I like talking to people sometimes. Yeah. I don't mind an email, though, and I'll respond to an email. So um, our, our contact information is up on there as well. You can also tweet at us. Um, at you can sat 14th podcast. Then on Facebook, we just search Saturday the 14th. Yeah, we're up on Facebook we will as come well. Up. We have a lot of different ways that you can get a hold of us if you want to. They're all on the site. Um, and we really want to hear from you guys. So let us know what you think. Yep. We love you. Be safe. And don't have sex with someone if you think they're going to kill you. Or do just understand what the consequences might be. Yeah. Okay. Love y'all. Drive safe. Mwah. Mwah.